Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about, oh my gosh. Hey guys, sorry about that awful singing. I am just trying my best right now to get you pumped and ready today for our combo. Because that's right, we are going there. I am talking to Kat Harris, a girlfriend of mine who lives in New York, who is 32 and still abstaining from sex. She is sexless in the city, if you will, a phrase that she totally coined. She is a Brooklyn-based photographer, educator, and the co-founder of the online magazine, The Refined Woman. She also is a podcast boss and started The Refined Collective podcast as well. Her mission is really to empower women to embrace their beauty, identity, and value through the art of storytelling. In short, she is a woman with a big heart and a whole lot of talent. She loves God, family, yoga, and Beyonce, duh, and also the Biebs. We have all of that in common, hence our friendship. Today, we dive into her story of navigating her sexuality and figuring out what sex truly meant to her as a woman. This convo gets hashtag real and a little bit saucy, you guys, and we have a lot of fun because as much as we don't always admit it, in many ways, we all really want to talk about these things. So I hope you enjoy this encouraging story of one woman's journey of abstinence today with my dear friend, Kat Harris. Kind of drink Cat. broth. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're fine, girl. We're gonna we're gonna redo that. I love it. Bone broth. Okay, girl. Cat, girl. This is so fun because I just love you. I love that we started this episode already just laughing, and I'm just so thrilled to be talking with you today. Me too. Thanks so much for having me. And um, sorry about my bone broth comment as soon as we went live. <laughs> I love it. It's still winter in New York, which is like kind of traumatic, but, um, it's like 40 degrees outside. It's oh, almost no. May. I'm wearing my Uggs and I just spilt my bone broth on my Uggs. <laughs> <laughs> the struggle is real. We get it. Actually, we say it all the time on Heart of Dating. The struggle is real in life and in dating. It's really real. <laughs> yeah. It's the real deal. It's the real real. But Mary uh, J. Blige says so profoundly, I'm looking for some real love. There you go. Real love. <laughs> yes, girl, sing it. I love it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Also, um, I just love Beyonce, and I know you share a huge love for her as well. <laughs> I see you right now. Yeah, yes, yes. Okay. So if we could just all be like Beyonce and Jay-Z, I think everything would be better in life, um, right? For over an hour on Sunday. I watched every single Beyonce Coachella video I could get my hands on. And I think I would literally die if Destiny's Child went on a reunion tour. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know if I could. I would be like one of those Michael Jackson fans that has to go to the hospital. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I'm pup. I, I'm like, I can't, a panic attack. Like, I can't breathe. I need. I need some air. I, girl, if they do, we're going to have to like fly. I'll fly to New York. You come to LA. We're going to go together because I'm so in. Go to every stop on the tour. 
Yeah, we'll just like, we'll go. We'll oh, do New York the and the girls are here again. <laughs> <laughs> the front row. I just want those fringe booties she wore. Oh my goodness. Whatever. Anyways, all the men right now are like rolling their eyes listening to this. Guys, here's the thing. You know you love Beyonce. Don't be a hater. She's a great artist. She's creative. She's fierce. I've had guys actually say, no, I just don't like Beyonce. I'm like, I'm sorry. Then I can't date you probably. (laughs) I don't think this is going to work out actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Anyway, I feel like we're cats. So on the same wavelength in so many ways and just what we do. And I love um, even just the fact that we launch podcasts within one week of each other. That is so cool and so crazy. So you um, have an amazing podcast called The Refined Collective, which I just love. And I am, we're going to share it with the listeners so they can follow along and listen to it too. But on top of that, you also run an online magazine that's become such an amazing place where both you and other women share incredible stories, um, honest and vulnerable stories about your struggles and your life victories. And I just really love, Kat, how you everything you do is about empowering women. And you do such an amazing job with that. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, girl. And simultaneously, you are just, you're a 32-year-old woman living in New York City. And I want to dive right on in here because in the spirit of vulnerability and transparency, um, a few years ago, you wrote a series on your blog about your journey with abstinence called Sexless in the City. It did. And, oh, so cool. Also that title. Only my mom read my blog and I was like, (laughs) no one's going to read this. (laughs) (laughs) No one, no one's ever going to read it. And now it's like the hot topic. I love it. And just all the posts you've been doing lately too about this topic and opening up and being really vulnerable about it. It's Mm -hmm. clear that it's such a need and so many people think about it, question it, struggle with it. So can you just walk us through for a minute what inspired you to write this series, Sexless in the City? Yes, a great question. And thank you for your sweet words about what we're up to. Um, mm-hmm. So I started the Sexless in the City series um, after a breakup. And mm-hmm. I essentially, I never struggled not having sex. before really being like in my late twenties. And Mm -hmm. that's a whole other conversation. I think because of a lot of shame that I felt from the church, I had Mm -hmm. shut down my sexuality and felt Mm -hmm. like, Oh my gosh, like shame, like lust and all these things, like the weight of the world is on my shoulders to like protect men. And I think that's such a damaging conversation, but Mm. I was so shut down to my sexuality for a very long time. And then went on, um, a process of a couple of years of mentorship, therapy, personal development workshops, and really coming to a place where I realized, okay, like my sexuality, my femininity, who God has created me as a woman is good. And when he Mm. created man and woman, he said, we, he said it was good. Like his creation was good and all of us. And that includes all of us, like all the body parts, all the things, Mm. the desires, Mm -hmm. everything is good. And so once that was sort of unlocked for me, it was kind of like, Whoa, (laughs) I am feeling things. And Mm. I also felt like it was one thing to be 16 making a promise at my youth group saying, I'm not going to have sex until I'm married when I pretty much assumed 
I would be married by the time I was 20, having kids by 21 and owning a house, like all these things. Right. And And you grew up in Texas too, right? I grew up in the South Mm -hmm. and instead, and this is what I love about life with God is, um, I mean, Ephesians three says now to him who is able to do abundantly more than we could hope or dream or expect or whatever Mm. to him be the glory. And Mm. I never thought that I would be 32 years old living in New York city, running two businesses, single Mm. and still a virgin. So the series came about, I, I met and fell in love with a guy and he treated me like a queen and pursued me with intention. And we were very attracted to each other. And it kind of got to a point for me, like, I can be so frank, like, because the Bible tells me so, or because it was like what I thought was just a Christian expectation or what was expected of me culturally from the church, mm. that was not keeping my clothes on any longer. Mm, yeah. <laughs> when you're like finding yourself this man who you're highly attracted oh, to, yeah. who's treating you well, you're maybe falling in love with him and you're like, oh, wait, there's this moment, right? Yeah, you're like, like, I what? want to have sex right now. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I don't have a more compelling reason, then this is what I should do because I am a Christian, then I'm not going to hold to this anymore. Like it just, mm-hmm. it wasn't, I needed a more compelling reason. And, mm-hmm. um, we ended up breaking up. We didn't sleep together. We had some close calls and felt complete heartache and heartbroken. Like so many of us have felt. And it was in that place where I was like, why am I waiting? What, what, what's the point here? And does God really care about my sex life and my dating life and my marriage? Does he really have anything to say about this? And on top of that, I was living in New York city where, yeah, And I still am living here where I'm one of the only Christian people I know that's waiting until marriage to have sex. And I just was like, is this, am I just a product of growing up in Southern Bible belt culture? Is, Mm. is this like an antiquated practice? Um, so I, I started a, um, a process of like researching and asking, um, really anyone and everyone who would talk to me about it. I researched every single verse in the Bible and turns out God a lot to say about sex. Um, and just really felt like, all right, if, if I'm not going to wait until marriage, I need to know why, but if I am going to wait, I also really need to know why. Um, Mm. so the series was birthed from that place of me wanting to share my story and Mm. where I had, um, where I'd come from. And honestly, all of those blog posts were just my journal entries, like my journal entries that I was writing as the, as the dates are unfolding and yeah, so that's, that's where it all started. So I just love that you actually went through the journey though, of even though you may feel like you're the only person sometimes, especially in a city like New York, you decided to take the plunge to figure out what does this really mean to me and why am I doing this for myself? Um, versus, you know, just doing it because, the Bible says, you know, um, so can you just explain for us a little bit what that, I know you mentioned it's like a, you took a year or, or something like that. What did that look like for you? And, and how did you, what did you experience along the way? 
Yeah. Well, I, what that looked like for me was asking mentors, asking, talking to my parents, um, talking to guy friends, girlfriends, Christian friends, non-Christian friends, people that believed anything and everything. And I just wanted to know what their viewpoint on sex was and Mm. why why were you having one night stands? Why weren't you having one night stands? Why were you waiting for marriage to have sex? Why aren't you? Do you feel fulfilled in your relationships? And what, what is the difference when you sleep with a person that you're dating and it doesn't work out versus when you don't sleep with a person when you're dating and it, it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just, I tried to just, I was just trying to be really curious and I think it also took me kind of like removing this like shield of like having it all together. Cause I think there was also an aspect for me, um, that no one else put this on me, but I put it on myself as like, I felt like a leader and I am a, I felt like a leader in my community and in my family. And I, at the beginning kind of even felt ashamed that I was questioning it. Mm-hmm. And one of my um, dear friends and mentors was like, if the only reason why you're not doing this is because you should or shouldn't, then you just need to go ahead and do it. She's like, I don't want Mm. that for you. But like God's heart is God is always, God is always concerned with our hearts. And if there is a rule in place, it's, it's kind of up to us to kind of, to ask God, like, what's your heart behind that? Like, what is mm. the invitation he has for us? Um, yeah. so I think when she told me that I freaked out cause I was like, Oh my gosh, like you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> you're like, you're telling me to have sex. What do you mean? What do you mean? But she was really right. Like when I mm. say I should or shouldn't do something or I shouldn't mm. feel this way, even if, you know, I know I shouldn't, I shouldn't feel upset that you said that to me. Or I shouldn't want to change careers or I shouldn't want to move to New York because we already have all these plans in place. What that mm. does is it it dismisses what already is. It's mm. just it's dismissing my desire and what I'm feeling and thinking. And if I ever really want to move past and break through any of those things, I have to first acknowledge that I'm feeling that way. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm a virgin and I'm 30. And I want to have sex. Mm-hmm. So from there I can dig into, all right, so what do I want to do with that? If I just stop at, well, I shouldn't, <clears throat> then I'm shutting mm-hmm. down my heart. I'm shutting down my mind. I'm shutting down like my access and communication with God. Cause I'm not being fully transparent, even mm-hmm. though he already knows. Um, mm-hmm. so I think there's something, there was something really powerful for me and first admitting to myself I am doubting this and I'm Mm. really doubting that God has a lot to say about it. I'm really doubting the church because first of all, there's this expectation, but then no pastor really wants to talk about it except for maybe once a year for 30 minutes, glossing it over. Right. One thing, at least for me, I felt like it's one thing to be like, um, a pastor who got married when he was 20 talking to a congregation full of 30 somethings that are single. I'm like, I want to hear from someone that has waited as long as I have and longer and waited well. And so I just, 
I read everything I could get my hands on. Um, mm-hmm. a couple of things that were super helpful for me. Mm-hmm. Matt Chandler wrote a great book called mingling of the souls. Oh, I love him. Uh, oh, he's so good. Um, so good. but even just in that very first chapter, he unpacks, um, uh, desire and sexuality and, um, how it was God's design and kind of mm. like debunking the shame that the church puts around sexuality and, and desire. Yeah. And, um, another book that was super helpful for me is sex God by Rob Bell. Um, mm. I think I've read it a dozen times, but there's mm. a particular chapter called angels versus animals. And he talks about, how culture and society says we're like animals. We're primal and we just can't help ourselves. People say mm. things like, I don't know, like I just saw him and there was this instant connection. And the next thing I knew, you know, I didn't know it was going to happen. We just couldn't help ourselves. And then the church says we're like angels and says, well, no, no, like you're not sexual. You're not a sexual being like wait until the ring is on your finger, but really this is only for reproduction purposes and filling the earth, like maybe not even something you should be enjoying. Mm. And so culture is saying that we're animals and a slave for desire. And the church is saying that we are asexual and both are degrading our Imago Dei Genesis one God image in us because mm. God says that we're human. So there's a different calling on us than the animals. And there's a different calling on us than angels mm, wow. that, I mean, I've given that book just for that chapter alone to so many people. Cause it was so helpful for me to say, yeah. okay, so I'm, it's not this side of the pendulum. It's not this side of the pendulum. It's somewhere in between and mm. that feels gray and nuanced and layered. And of, of course, no one wants to talk about that because it's not like right. black or white or right or wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. That's why we talk about dating. It's not, it's a gray area. It didn't exist in the time of the Bible, but there's so many gray areas that we just sometimes as a church don't want to dive into or um, that that people are afraid to talk about. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to take, it's going to take someone, people, um, mm-hmm. a church or, you know, people like you and like me and, yeah. um, just starting by having a conversation and yeah. being willing to say, Hey, <laughs> I don't know what this is supposed to look like. Um, mm-hmm. I'm confused. I feel alone. Like I was always that person on the front row of class that would always raise my hand and be like, I don't get it. What we, can you explain it? Like, I don't know if it was that my parents always taught me, like there's like no dumb question, but Mm -hmm. I feel like when it takes the courage of one person to say like, Hey, uh, I feel like there's an issue here or I'm not understanding. Can you clarify? Or, um, and then when you do that, it's like, but instead of feeling rejection and shame or people ostracizing you, anytime I've actually talked about this part of my life, it's like hands coming up all over the place. Me too. Oh my gosh. I feel the same way. I have the same question. And so I think people are dying to talk about it. Yeah. And I think in often in part due to the nature of, you know, mainly Western evangelical Christian culture and standards, um, 
in their views on sex, people can be afraid to be to go on that kind of a journey um, for fear of what others may think or if people will shame them for questioning. Mm-hmm. And also sometimes in essence, what God may think of them. Mm-hmm. And so throughout that journey that you went on, where did you feel like God was in it the entire time for you? Like, did you ever feel, you know, that he was shaking his head at all at you, disappointment for questioning? Mm-hmm. Um how did where did you feel like you stood with God and then with others along that journey? Yeah, uh, I honestly, I felt like Jesus was with me the whole time, and mm. I mean, it was hard. Yeah, I was heartbroken. I was devastated, and um, but I see, I could see then. I remember waking up the day after my breakup and I was in my bed and you know, when you like wake up and you're like, is this real? <laughs> like, yes. This like happen? pinching yourself. Wait, yeah, is this, wait. Did, can I please just have dreamt it? Oh, I've uh, been in that place. And I woke I woke up with tears in my eyes and I remember out loud in my bedroom saying, God, thank you. Like, thank you for letting me feel this because I'm feeling because for so long I was shut down. I shut because I was shut down to my sexuality and to love and to relationships. When we shut down one part of our heart, like we shut down all of it. And so I felt even in the midst of like the pain and confusion and I felt really foggy. I, I felt God's presence so clearly and I never felt shame from him. I, I, I didn't feel like he was shaking his head at me, but honestly, the picture I got was just like him holding me and him with me. The, the shame I felt was me judging myself. And that's what I had to let go of. Um, disappointment with myself for doubting, disappointment with myself for like going further physically than I had previously gone. Disappointed that I felt like I could no longer be a quote unquote leader to my little sisters because I was felt wobbly in this area of my life. And, um, it was like, I was this bird in a cage and God had long since freed me, but because of my own shame, it was like, I was judging myself. I like went and closed the cage door. Um, so a huge part of that process was really, really learning to accept and receive God's love and his presence and his spirit and his truth about who he said I was. Um, cause I knew that God forgave me, but like, I didn't know if I could forgive myself. So I really had to go through a process of like, letting myself off the hook. And, um, like there's that, that story in the new Testament that talks about the worker owed, I'm going to totally butcher this, but the worker owed (laughs) the master of the lands, like this huge debt. And it was so such a huge debt that like his children's children's children, like wouldn't have ever even been able to pay it off. And he begs for mercy from the master and the master basically freedom of his debt. 
and like gave him his life back. And the guy leaves and on his way out runs into a guy that owes him like a day's wages or something very minuscule. And he instantly is puts this guy in jail. And then the, you know, the master finds out about it and is like, how can, you know, essentially how can you not forgive a debt so small when I've forgiven something so great? And that's kind of how I felt towards myself at, at, at one, at at least some point in that journey, I realized like, I am that man to myself. Like I received this great gift of grace and I can extend it to anyone and everyone around me. But like, it's like one strike for myself and I'm out. Um, so that's, um, the Lord has been sweet, has been so sweet to me. And, um, I have some incredible men and women that speak into my life and have helped me really process through that. Um, and encouraged me even as hard and sticky as it was to keep moving. Um, because I think the easy thing would have been to say, you know what? I feel, you know, I'm feeling a little crappy. I'm feeling wobbly about this. None of my other friends are really doing this anymore. You know what? If sex happens the next time it happens, if not, you know, it doesn't, um, Mm. that's kind of what I wanted to kind of do, but it was almost like there was no option for me to do it. Like I've never been the type of person that's just like, whatever, I'll just go with the flow. I'm like, no, like I want to know why. Um, so it was really, um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like God was really with me in it and he continues to be. And, um, I'm so grateful because I feel because I first allowed myself to feel those feelings, Mm -hmm. I was able to move through them. And now several years later, I actually ended up more conservative <laughs> than <laughs> I, love I started it. it, which I was like wow. not expecting that at all. But I feel yeah. so clear. I feel clear yeah. with God's heart on relationships and sex and marriage. I feel clear about what it is that I really long for. Mm. And I feel really clear about why I'm waiting. And mm. so, yeah, I'll take the heartache. I'll take the confusion. I'll take the doubt because it led me to this point. Hey friends, question for you. Are you ready to take our relationship to the next level? (laughs) Don't worry. This is a good thing. I want to invite you to be a part of the Heart of Dating Inner Circle. I am so thankful for Patreon because it gives artists and creators the ability to raise funds to do what they do best in crafting amazing works for their communities by allowing you, the fiercest of the fierce audience, to sign up for monthly pledges to support. You can sign up to support this podcast for as little as $5 a month, which these days is equivalent to one hipster cup of coffee. Let's just be real. So what's in it for you? Our Patreon clan will have first access to our episodes, as well as behind the scenes looks into interviews, process, and more. It would mean the world to me if you checked out the Heart of Dating Patreon page so we can together empower others to live their best dating lives. I really want to continue to bring you helpful episodes, the best possible interviews, and stellar content. You can find out more at www.patreon.com forward slash heart of dating. I think that's so inspiring, Kat, because I think... There are so many men and women out there 
questioning their abstinence, questioning why am I not having sex at this point? Okay, I, I've done it. I've, I've made it this far, but like I'm still single. And what's the point at this point? Um, and just feeling frustrated and lonely and confused, but then also shameful for having those thoughts of confusion and doubting. And so just to hear you step out and the courage and boldness that you did and that you're doing now and just sharing this, I think it can be freeing for other people. You know, it takes one person's braveness sometimes to just set a standard that it's okay to question. It's okay to journey and figure that out for yourself. And so I'm hoping that people listening feel empowered in that. And Mm -hmm. I also just want to say to that as well as someone where I unfortunately, you know, for myself, didn't, I don't have the exact same story as you do. Um, and I have made mistakes and I have had sex. Um, but that's been an interesting journey, even for me and for a lot of people that have had sex maybe previously. And then how do you go about figuring out what you feel about sex now? You know, that may have happened, but how do you feel cleansed and new and and free from the shame and guilt attached mm-hmm. to your previous sexual past. Yeah. So I think figuring that out for ourselves and being able to actually just have this dialogue is so important. And I, I think, yeah, I'm just, I'm so happy we're having this conversation and, um, it does lead me into what I want to talk. It's still in the same vein, but, mm-hmm. um, on this journey of figuring out exactly what you felt about sex, it also brings up, you know, how you feel about other physical relations with men as well. And I remember reading in your series, Sexless in the City, you talk about the guy that you met at a friend's house. You, you, is that the guy you ended up dating? So it's the same guy in the end you or is this different? No, You just never, okay. You don't have to, <laughs> it's okay. Okay. So you meet this guy <laughs> and you're having wine and at the end of the the evening you guys go out and, um, you end up kissing him, which is something you didn't do a ton. Um, but in, I'm just curious in this process, how you came to figure out what you feel is a holy physical interaction with a man as a Christian woman. And again, not what your upbringing says, you know, and that you should do in terms of physical boundaries. So I'm not just saying sex here. I'm talking about other physical boundaries, right? But or And not what culture says you should and shouldn't do with your body, but how did you work that out for yourself in terms of physical boundaries with men? Yeah, that's a great question. And before I answer that, what I just wanted to touch on something that you just said, because mm. um, I feel like a lot of men and women probably feel this way. You said, unfortunately, like I didn't have your same story. And right. you know, unfortunately, I had sex. I made mistakes. Okay. Well, you're in great company because yeah, girl. every single human is Im- imperfect. And mm. I just wouldn't say, unfortunately, like I know we're it's true. together for the good of those who love him. And so you don't get to be like ashamed. So, well, unfortunately I did this. Well, okay. We can acknowledge we've, I've, I can acknowledge I've made poor choices and decisions that perhaps yeah. I wish I didn't make, but it's honestly in those moments where God has met me in the sweetest of ways. And yeah. I can't look back and say, I wish that wouldn't have happened. Mm. Like, I so agree. As soon as the word unfortunately came out of my mouth, I was like, Hey, sheesh, you know, because I've actually come to a lot of peace personally about my past journey. And it's only been in recent years where that's been where some of that shame has resurfaced that I've had to push back down. Mm. But I do think, and I value what you're saying, just the grace for one another, whether or not we have 
a highly sexual past, you know, and that's so important to go in with that lens and whether or not you've had sex or your partner has not shouldn't change the fact that we are both seen the same in God's eyes. Right. And so, yeah, just thank you for saying that girl. I love it. Yeah. Sorry. There's a little side tangent. <laughs> no, the side tangents are to it, this is, <laughs> making out with guys on the first date. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about physical yeah, boundaries because so, I know so many people are interested in talking about that. Well, and here's the thing is people just want to know like, what can I do? What can I do? Okay. So I want the yeah. formula. I can do this mm-hmm. on the first day. I can do this on the second day. What can I do on the fifth day? So I can he can touch my boobs. I can't put my hands down his pants. Like people just, that's, I I mean, that's so many of the emails I get. And, um, unfortunately for those listeners, (laughs) um, I can't tell you a black and white. There's just not something black and white. Like what, what is going to be a good and a blessing for one person or what one person is going to struggle with is not going to be a struggle with other, with another person. Mm. And, for example, one of my good girlfriends is waiting until she's engaged to have her first kiss and she's mm. almost 30 and hasn't kissed anyone. And mm. she feels so compelled by the Lord that to do that. Mm. And that's not my story, mm-hmm. but that is like where God has led her and prompted her. And I honor that and respect that. Mm. And, um, that like, I am not going to wait until I'm engaged to kiss. That's not mm. going to be my story. Cause I like kissing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but as far as I figured out, um, like how far do I want to go physically? You, um, it's interesting. I feel like in my, like this year long journey I took, uh, I realized things that like I had been taught, whether it was by youth pastors or even my mom would say nothing good happens after midnight. And Mm. like, that's so annoying, but I was like, wait a second. I think I look, let me look back at like all these times I've been with guys or stayed out, you know, super late and had that one more drink when I probably just should have gone home. Yeah. Oh crap. She's right. And even there's these (laughs) verses in song of Solomon that says, do not arouse or awaken love until it's time. Right. And so what kind of, what happened to me after it's been my mid twenties, like becoming awakened to Mm. my femininity and sexuality. And then I'm like, Ooh, I'm feeling things. It was like, after that, it was like, this thing had been way awakened in me. And I was like, Oh, I don't just want to like date for five or six days. I want to like make out right now. Um, and, (laughs) (laughs) or like it's date two and I'm wanting it to, be in my bed, like with a guy messing around. And, um, you know, I went through a period of time during that year where I did that. I was like, let's stay out till you make out. And you know, <laughs> I've never heard that one. <laughs> you've never, heard, I just feel like, oh my God, stay out till you make out. Stay out till you make out. Wow. Yeah. So I had <clears throat> never, ever done that. I'd never dated casually. Um, Mm -hmm. and I tried that. And I remember the last time I did that was a couple years ago and I like kissed this guy at a bar and I was like, I literally feel nothing. Like Mm -hmm. I could be kissing my hand right now. And Mm -hmm. I was 
it was this really interesting moment where I feel like God kind of allowed me to like explore and then challenged me like, what are you doing? And what is it that you really want? And essentially I was scratching an itch. Mm. And what I believe about love is that it's sacrificial and it's others focused and Mm. it's generous and lust on the other hand is like self gratification. Um, And it's about me. And so in that, when I interact with a man in any way, whether that's holding hands or Mm -hmm. hugging or making out or being in bed with someone and my heart is, and all I'm really wanting is like, Ooh, this just feels good for me right now. Like that is degrading. Yeah. It it is objectifying Mm -hmm. not only to myself, but to the other person. Uh, And it's making them an object to fulfill a desire in me. And Mm. so I, I, after that was like, okay, so how does, how do physical interactions impact me? And what is it that I really want? And I had pretty much at that point, like redecided, I want to wait until marriage to have sex. And so I was like, okay, Harris, what's the game plan? Like one, <laughs> we're like having a hot makeout. What are we going to do seven months from now? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. How did you practically do this? This is yeah. so good because one, everything you're saying is most likely what people have felt. It's what I felt. It's what a lot of my girlfriends, my guy friends have felt like. So thank you for just saying the temptation is real. And most of us have made out with people or probably maybe done things that we are, we, that are out of selfish ambition, you know? (laughs) And that's just the reality sometimes. And it's good. It's so good to realize just like, how much do I actually value myself? And and am I really respecting myself right now? And also, am I respecting the other person? Or is this just a selfish in the moment thing? Right. Because something just, and I want to hear like some practical things you have to share with us, but something that I've always said for myself is when a relationship has ended, I've never gone back and looked at the relationship and said, oh, that relationship would have been less amazing if I didn't do this physical thing. Mm. I've never once gone back in my relationships and said, oh, you know, if if that physical thing or if those physical nights didn't happen, this relationship would not have been so amazing. Mm. You know, I've never thought that to myself. Yeah. And I've asked a lot of my married friends, um, do you wish you would have done more physically? Not one of my married friends is like, I wish that we did more before we got married. And, And I'm like, even though you, like, it turns out like you married him or you married Mm. her, like, would that have like, let you feel like less guilt if anything else did happen? And yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been unanimous. Every single person I've asked is like, no, I, I don't wish I would have done more. Exactly. If anything less. Um, -hmm. so I mean, practically what that looks like for me is I, I kind of reverse engineered it. I'm like, okay, (laughs) so no sex until marriage. Okay. I, you know, you can't predict, like, maybe I'm going to meet someone and get engaged after a week. Uh, that's probably not going to be my, story. um, but let's just say probably not the wisest decision, yeah, but yeah, let's just say a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah. not getting no sex until marriage. Okay. So if I don't want to have sex before I'm married, then 
that's probably going to mean no sleepovers. Stinks because sleepovers are fun. (laughs) I know. So if no sleepovers, then that means probably like really late at night, maybe probably past midnight, like my mom said, which is annoying because once again, she's right. Um, Past midnight, a guy in my bed, probably not a good idea. If I don't want a guy in my bed, probably means I can't take my pants off. All right. So if I can't take my pants off, probably can't take my shirt and my bra off. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's like seriously how I did it. And, um, and then, so I, you know, it's all great in theory and then you start dating someone. Right. So I dated a guy last fall and, um, it had been a while since I had had, I think it'd been like over a year since I had even kissed a guy. Um, and we're like, we're on like our second date. He's walking me home. I'm like feeling attracted. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, totally going to make out. And (laughs) (laughs) uh, because he was like a really good guy. We didn't. And we ended up dating for like, I think, three or four months and nothing physical. Like mm. homeboy didn't even hold my hand. And I was Whoa. do you even like me? What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> and just hold my hand, yo. Know, come on. Just, just like, a hand. A long hug at least for the love. Yeah. A long lingering <laughs> Christian hug. Those are my favorites. <laughs> but I feel like he I feel like God really showed me something important through him. Like this guy really loves Jesus and he was really trying to honor me, but I had like gotten used to this pattern of like being physical pretty early on. Mm -hmm. And, um, it showed me like, Oh, I want this. Like from, if I'm feeling attracted and like into it, I'm feeling that desire pretty immediately. But this guy is practicing like restraint and honor because Mm -hmm. he wants to really get to know me. And, Mm -hmm as much as there are moments where I was like, I just wish we could make out like when it didn't work out. Mm. I I'm like, there was no drama. There was no like hangups. I mean, I can look back now and guys that I had great chemistry with, if we had never gotten physical, I probably would have gone on one, two dates max and been like, Oh, we actually have nothing in common. Or see ya. You, like you're actually a big fat jerk or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like it, I realized like it saved us so much drama, not going mm-hmm. there. And we were actually able to really get to know each other and mm. say like, Oh, like I knew he was attracted to me. He knew I was attracted to him, but we were able to just really kind of like side table that. Mm-hmm. And say like, all right, let's, let's really get to know the person. Cause that's there. Like we feel it. Um, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I can't say like the next time I date someone, I'm going to wait four months before I hold their hands. Like, I can't say that cause I don't know, but I do, I do know that <clears throat> if I, if I do want to like hold this, this, you know, promise to myself and to the Lord and to my spouse yeah. that it means, it means practicing delayed gratification. And it absolutely yeah. means no stay out till I make outs. And, and I don't yeah. desire that and want to do that like anymore. Um, it's yeah. really a thing for me. Um, 
And you're, it's what you're saying is exactly that. It's like a heart change in that. I don't, you're like, I don't want to stay that. I don't even want to do that because it's like a heart change within you mm-hmm. it, with in figuring this journey out. So it's like, I think that's important for people listening. It's like, if you're finding yourself constantly struggling with that and maybe just like considering where is your heart in all of this mm-hmm. and, and going back to like figuring that out with God, because mm-hmm. it can't be this legalistic, don't do this, don't do this. We really have to figure out what right. that means for us in loving ourselves in the yeah. whole process. Yeah. I mean, I have some friends that have sleepovers with guys and don't have sex. And I'm like, I just, I can't, I would not be able to do it, <laughs> but if I'm dating someone long-term and we care about each other, are in love with each other, are invested mind, body, spirit. I mean, it's just going to happen. I mean, I'm the same yeah, way. It's just, I also, I, just, I, just, I, I think you just have to be honest with yourself. Like, yeah. Sleepovers too. Your bed is a sacred place where you sleep. Like it's very sacred to me. And I think that's like inviting someone in that space can be dangerous because that is a danger. It's not dangerous. That is a sacred, it's a sacred place for you as a person. It's where you find your rest, you know, and it's very intimate. I I had a really interesting moment, um, with the person that I was dating that kind of sort of led me onto this journey or sparked this in me. Mm -hmm. Um, we were at his house one night and making out in his bed and the lights are off. And, um, after we were, you know, we were like talking and we're laying there and it was, uh, it's like, I won't ever forget this moment. Like it's stay, it's has stayed with me. Um, Mm. the intimacy that was created, in us like sharing what we shared with each other emotionally, um, and spiritually was so connected to like what we had shared physically. Yeah. And like, it's like, we were like physically intimate and then that like opened this doorway to be like so vulnerable with each other, like spiritually and emotionally. And I remember being like having this, like, kind of aha moment, like in the moment of like, Oh, I wonder if this is why this is why God says not to do this with someone that's not your spouse Yeah, because it was so sacred. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't regret it because God has like really used it in my life Mm -hmm. to show me like, wow, like that was a sacred moment that I actually don't want to have with a lot of people. And it was mm-hmm. just talking in like pillow talk, talking with yeah. off face to face. Um, but there was something so sacred about it that I felt mm-hmm. like, wow, it might not even be about the physical. It's what, what the physical manifests and mm-hmm. like the, the other stuff that, yeah, up. all of it. Yeah. yeah. Spiritual and emotional. And it all ties back to like protecting our heart. And all of that is something that are things that affect our heart and how connected we are to the person. And that raw vulnerability creates a connection with someone that can sometimes be advanced 
mm-hmm. um, too soon when it when it's not ready to be. And so it goes back to even what you said in Song of Solomon: don't arouse like awaken love until it's the right time. And question for you on this front: When do you communicate your physical boundaries to guys? I my friends and I have these questions all the time. <laughs> it's like do it on the first day. I I mean I'm gonna be real. I've said it to people up front. I'm like just so you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm probably not kissing you tonight. Yeah. And probably not for a while. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I, um, I have kind of an easy out with this now because of the series on my blog. Yeah. Um, you talk about it. So, so yep. people, what do you do for a living? Oh, I run this online magazine. Oh, that's cool. What are some of the things you write about? Well, I have this series called sex. City. <laughs> it's all about how I'm a virgin waiting until marriage to have sex. So, um, <laughs> then they're like, Oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah. so, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Deer and headlights are like, like what? Wait, what? Wait, uh, check please. Um, yeah. and I mean, that's one of the, I mean, I've gotten literally thousands of emails asking me questions just like that. Like what, yeah. when do you tell them and what, how do they react? And do you feel so rejected? And I'm like, no, I, this is back to, you know, Simon Sinek talks about this in our careers and businesses to mm. start with the why a lot yeah. of people know what they're doing. Some people know how they're doing it. Very few people know why they're doing it, but when you're yes. with your why it changes everything. Oh, I just, I know what I want. I am looking for a marriage to a man that loves Jesus with his heart, mind, body, and soul. And mm-hmm a man of integrity, a man that's living life on purpose, a man, like a Mm. true partner in crime. Like that Mm -hmm. is what I'm looking for. And if, if it's a deal breaker for them to not have sex, as much as it's a deal breaker for me to have sex before marriage, then let's get that out in the open. Like, I don't want to waste anybody's time. Yeah. Like, bless you, bless your ministry. Nice to meet you. Um, so I just say like, first of all, don't be ashamed of it. Like, yeah, I, and you know, I, I don't know how dating culture is in other parts of the U S all I can say is like New York and LA, but Mm -hmm. the third date expectation is third date is the sex date. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mm -hmm. I have up until the third date, (laughs) um, (laughs) but I really, I say, I tell um, I tell a guy on the first date Yeah, and I don't, I, it like a big deal. I'm just, you know, I'll either bring it up organically with the blog or, Hey, just so you know, I want to be a friend. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not having sex until I'm married. And that's a, that's a non-negotiable for me. And I just want you to know. And then yeah. it doesn't even have to be a huge thing. And then we get to just have a conversation and yeah, like, Oh, cool. Like me too. Or yeah. Wow. That's We're, awesome. But I don't, I, I don't think I can do that. And we have a nice first date and mm. that's that. Um, I think often we're just afraid of uncomfortable, like minorly uncomfortable situations. Mm. And if anything makes us uncomfortable, we're like, let me avoid it. So like, we'll like have all this anxiousness and either we'll say it and like maybe sometimes in like not a great delivery or we just like avoid it at all possible mm-hmm. costs. But even saying it, even if your delivery isn't the best is better like to, to actually say it. Um, because in my opinion, uh, I've heard this from a lot of friends, like married friends too. You can't say the wrong 
thing to the right person. Right. So I think that if someone's not going to respect your physical boundaries, your desire for physical boundaries, mm-hmm. um, and whatever that looks like for you, then they may not be the right person for you. If they, if they, if they, if you say that and it shocks them so much, that makes them run, then, you know, that's again, it's nothing to do with you. You're a wonderful person that's worthy of being loved, but then you just have to know that the person wasn't for you. And aren't you glad to know that now than waiting later on to find out they don't really respect you? Right. <laughs> you know? And, and I, I also think on um, this kind of goes back to what does it look like to be outward focused and to what does it look like to honor someone, to love someone well? And um, if I'm withholding that information, I'm making that about me. I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I don't want to feel rejected. I don't want to feel judged or, you know what? I'm feeling lonely and this guy has great company. And yeah, I have a, I know a lot of girls and guys that do this. Like, I know I won't marry him, but this is fun for now. And I just go back over and over again to Genesis one, where God says, let us make man and woman in our image and our likeness. And the Latin call that the Imago Dei, like day in us. And that means that every single human being has worth, has value, has calling, is loved, seen, and heard by God. And so I want to interact with every person honoring the Imago Dei in them. And so like part of me, like owning my choice is honoring myself, but part of like honoring the other person that I'm on the date with is saying like, he's on his own journey and I respect that. And if I am, if I'm not being forthright, like what are we going to go out for three or four months? And I'm going to like, just try to sneak away from like the conversation or do everything, but, or just want to feel good as long as possible. Like that is self gratification. And it's a Fine. So I just think own your decision and be confident in it. Like there's nothing embarrassing about not having sex, Mm. nothing embarrassing about it at all. Uh, Yeah. And it's knowing like I, like I am a finite person. I've been on this universe for 32 years. God is infinite. I'm choosing to trust Him here, and I'm choosing that His way is is what's best for me. So that excites me. I can't wait. It doesn't mean the first time I have sex, it's going to be great. It's probably not, but like, I am so excited to see what God has for me Yeah, because if he has a man for me, he's going to be a freaking baller. (laughs) I just, yeah. Yeah, girl. But if not, if, but if God doesn't have a man for me, praise God, because his story for my life is so much better than I could imagine for Mm. myself. Yeah. Cat, girl, this conversation has been amazing. I feel like we could go on and on. <laughs> I feel like I have more things to ask you, but um, we're totally out of time. But just thank you for your heart for being vulnerable and having the boldness to share your story. And I just know that this is going to empower so many people to ha- ask themselves these questions and go hopefully on a similar kind of journey to figure out what this means for them. I try to end every episode with asking everyone a similar question. Yeah. And so I want to ask you. Um, and it can be short and to the point and just like the form of a tweet, but if you could give anybody listening, just your biggest nugget of dating advice, Mm. what would it be? Ooh, biggest nugget of, of dating advice is be open. 
be open, be open to the unexpected. Um, mm. You Love never it. know what God has for you. Mm. I could meet my husband on the airplane, on the mm. subway, on an online dating app, <laughs> yeah, church. I I can't mess up God's plan for my life, um, mm. but I can be in a posture of openness. Yeah. And I think it's important to have like, here's our standards, or I want to be with a guy that looks like this and makes us much money or whatever. Yeah. You can have your ideals, but like, what if God's best for you is different? Like, are mm. you open to it looking different than you thought? And that's mm. what I want to be open to. I want to be open to God's story for my life because me, Catherine Harris, I've been wrong a lot. Mm. Um, so I think be open. Mm, so good girl be open okay so can you just tell us the listeners where to find you on the interweb social media where do they connect with you yeah so our website is the refinedwoman.com and you can find my podcast the refined collective on itunes it's also on the blog our instagram (laughs) is at the refined woman and yeah, you can uh, sign up for our weekly newsletters. And I actually just created a guide called Five Resources While You Wait. It, uh, um, yes. um, five- I downloaded it. Oh, it's amazing. It. Oh, awesome. Yes. I loved it. Yeah, I would love. I can send you and your, your folks that yeah. link because it's just, it's kind of like an intro into like why I waited and five like books and podcasts that were really helpful for me on the journey. Yeah. That's awesome. Girl, thank you for this conversation. I can't wait for our next girls reunion. I just adore you and your heart and I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. Be real. Are you sweating? (laughs) Sometimes we get so uncomfortable with the sex talk, but it is so needed. I love that Kat took it upon herself to truly discover what her femininity and sexuality meant to her on a personal level. I encourage everyone listening to do this for yourself and find out what it means to you truly. Something I love that Kat said was that she wants to interact with every person honoring the Imago Day in them. And I think we all need to think about that more when engaging in physical relations with other people. Are we truly honoring the way God created them to be, or do we have some selfish intentions? If you want to connect with Kat, go to her website, therefinedwoman.com, as well as Instagram at therefinedwoman. And since you're listening to this podcast, it means you like podcasts. So you have to go support Kat and her new podcast, The Refined Collective. Also, if you support this mission, I'd love, love, love for you to hit subscribe on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can also stay up to date with show notes on heartofdating.com. And you can follow along on Instagram at, at heartofdating. And, you know, if you happen to know a friend or two that might need some dating help, I'd love for you to share this with them and get them to also support this. We have some amazing guests coming up in the coming weeks, and I am confident you will love it. So stick with me as we journey through this together. Until next time, friends.